0: Okay, welcome back or welcome to Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure Talking all things Pac-12 football. I'm Yogi Roth, joined by Ted Robinson. Ted, we got a lot to talk about. It's been a while, but I had to ask because here we are on February 15th. How was your Valentine's Day?
1: (laughs) Uh, My Valentine of all, this is, uh, I think I've said this to you without getting too deep into personal stuff. This is the uh, 40th year of our marriage together. So we celebrated that with our grandson. We have a babysitting duties this week for our two-year-old grandson so it's been a story of pandemic i told you we've been smothered by grandkids and um like it really it, it's too easy. You keeps you entertained and exhausted <laughs> totally. and you having two young ones at home you have a you know a baby not quite yet a toddler but you have a you know a, a kinder, is he kindergarten yeah kindergarten uh, Kindergarten, yeah. I was going to say. So your, your split's a little bit wider than ours with the grandkids. But you know what I'm saying. Entertained and exhausted.
0: <laughs> oh, totally. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we were entertained on Valentine's Day with, like, we were making brownies at 6 in the morning. So sugar high before the sun comes up is always a good idea for all the parents out there. <laughs> Dane, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> totally. And then crashed by about 8 o'clock last night. So uh, we're rolling. Uh, but it was fun. It's seven-month anniversary of our baby. Which was fun, as well as it's the 16th year anniversary of when I moved to California, 16 years ago on Valentine's Day. And did you move for USC? Yeah, I moved for USC. USC, yeah, Hermosa Beach, 101. Let's go. Great. Well, listen, and
1: I'm the same way as as a as an East Coaster that I actually came out here once, left, and was brought back, and the second time. Don't fool! I'm not fooling again, man. I'm staying. So, twenty-seven years later, here we are. Yeah. Listen, when we look around the country today and see the temperatures around the country,
0: we're talking about
1: snow in New Orleans. Snow in New Orleans. How crazy is that?
0: Yeah, no, thank you, no chance at all. Um, I'm, I'm with you. I think the only time I would move, I was telling my wife because we just finished watching Ted Lasso, would be like if offered a job in Europe or Indonesia to go coach football. Now I'm out. I'm going to take that one.
1: Yeah, all right. Ted Lasso is a good show. You really and and don't be like me. I almost got turned off after the first episode or two. Give it a run. It grows on you. And you, by the end, you really appreciate it. But I'll tell you the other thing I I heard. I checked this out yesterday, Yogi, in Indianapolis, I think it was six degrees yesterday. And this is normally where the football world would be right now. All the PAC 12 people would be in Indianapolis. This would be the week for the NFL combine, which can't happen this year. And it affects a lot of, you know, people that we know well (laughs) that are trying to make the jump from the PAC to the NFL those players are going to have to go through a whole different protocol this year.
0: Totally. They're going to be watching everything uh, either on Zoom or on some sort of recorded device. And the way that the rules uh, lay out, in case you don't know, regarding the draft, because there's no combine, as you just referenced, Ted, um, pro days are going to be on every respective campus, and that's it. So you can't go fly. If you're a Jets fan or a Giants fan, you being a New Yorker, nobody's flying to their facility for a personal workout. ain't happening. And those head coaches and GMs, excuse me, they're not flying any campuses for personal workouts. You get a one-shot deal. It's a pro day. We think we'll be on pretty much everybody's campus. We'll see based on certain guidelines and certain communities. But that's that's what it's going to be. And I think that's really exciting uh, for these young men and for their pro days. And the pro days that are set, just to kind of give you a couple of them that I think are big for Oregon, it's going to be April 2nd um for USC I think it's going to be March 24th uh as of now again local guidelines can kind of change everything into Washington it's gonna be March 30th Th- those are three big ones and we're talking about big prospects coming out of this conference and I, I think it's interesting because you kind of get a one-shot deal and oh by the way some of the top players opted out Ted so Javon Holland Panay Sewell here's your I don't know couple hours in the sun your 40 yard two or three times of them your shuttle your drills I- I think it's be really interesting to see how this thing gets out.
1: Yeah, and Yogi, I mean, look, there are two elements to this that I certainly don't have an answer for. I don't know if you do because it's unprecedented, and we'll find out on draft night. So one is the opt-outs, right? Okay, are the NFL teams going to draft you two years later off tape? Okay, that's what you're talking about. You're talking about tape from two years ago. Where the second point is, for example, I'm just saying Frank Darby. Take an example: Frank Darby off four games at Arizona State, uh, Davis Mills off five or six games at Stanford. That's all he played. Is that how do you get evaluated and drafted off that? I I don't certainly have any answer, but I'm I'm intrigued because the other pro day that to me that would be fascinating is Stanford because you have two opt-outs that everybody thinks are going to go high and Paulson Adebo and Walker little plus two guys that left Simi Fahoko. Now Simi Fahoko played a couple of years, but Davis Mills didn't. And, you know, Jacob Eason, for example, we saw Jacob Eason went against what had been long, the conventional wisdom of the NFL decided one year starting and I'm going pro. And now he's sitting there in Indianapolis and I, doesn't seem like the Colts are interested in giving him a real shot at going into his second year when they just lost Phillip Rivers. You know, what's Davis Mills going to go through? So, you know, I'd love to hear your views on that. But I'm fascinated to see how those scenarios play out.
0: Yeah, to me, I think, I think you're going to talk yourself into draft picks this year or talk yourself out of draft picks. I, I, I really think that's going to be a real hard line. Here's the example. Um, Mac Jones. Right, He started for a full season. Right? I don't know the exact number, but I bet he played in 14, 15 well, games. Well, he had a full year, yes. Yeah, he had a full year, and then he had a couple games last year. Davis Mills, I think, he has 11 career games. Yeah. So if you take like X amount of snaps, let's just say that 11 games is, I don't know, uh, let's just call it 1,000 snaps to be, just be fair. If you had 1,000 snaps versus 1,200 snaps or 1,300 snaps for Mac Jones, how do you evaluate? I, I could see one guy saying, you know what? Davis Mills, I love this ceiling. I love his arm. I've seen some wow throws. Some saying, you know, I love all those same things about Mac or saying, well, it's a system guy in Alabama. Like I, I think that is going to be the battle of the war rooms when you're comparing at least that, that position. And I think it's gonna be hard. And, and I was and personally, I was bummed when Davis decided to opt out to go to the NFL um, coming back with their receiving core, at least that we anticipated coming back before everybody decided to leave or a lot of players decided to leave. Remember with Connor Weddington? Uh, he's out. me, you referenced. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, I hope he thrives. I hope he kills it in his workout. I do think that his ceiling's really high, but I don't see him you know, being a first round draft pick by any stretch of the imagination, a quarterback right now.
1: No, I, well, yeah, again, sitting in a chair like this, I would be surprised as well. And that's why I'm, I mentioned Eason as. Something of a comp because Easton was what you talked about, stud guy goes to Georgia. Wow, throws all that stuff. Third guy in Indianapolis this past year, you know, he doesn't get a sniff of the field. It's a COVID year, which makes it even more uh, difficult on development. Now Philip Rivers says I'm done. I'm walking away, and there isn't a single peep out of Indianapolis that we're going to give Jacob Easton a look. I mean, maybe they are, and it's private, but you hear them in the conversation to trade for Wentz, for example. And if that happens, Jacob Eason has no shot in Indianapolis. And who's giving him a shot because he hasn't seen it? So this is the um, – it, it, it's, it's what we see in basketball all the time, Yogi, and I'm, I'm fearful that it's going to start to creep into football. And in basketball, at least there is this, quote, G League. There is a developmental league. It's not glamorous. It's not as much money, certainly. But it does give the players that pro experience. There is no developmental league in football. You know, despite 50,000 tries over the last few years, our friend Joey Roberts you know, was involved with it. They keep trying to have a developmental league and nothing sticks. So that if a kid, you end up like Jacob Eason, you're a third guy in an NFL camp. It's uh, somewhat invisible.
0: So let's have this discussion because um, I, I was on a radio show with Kate Scott this week, talking about Pac-12 quarterbacks in the NFL, Josh Rosen being one of them, right? Just resigns with San Francisco. He starts for three years in college, was banged up a little bit for one year. So give him yeah. two and a half years as a starter. Yeah. And then let's take Jacob Eason really uh, his freshman year. He played, we'll give him that. But, you know, ultimately by the end of the day, he played one full season, one, year. Yeah. one big season that I think is evaluated for the league right at Washington and Davis Mills. Ultimately, he'll play 11 games, right? When it's all his career said and up who's 11 games. What would you rather have when you don't have a developmental league, right? Would you rather have your backup be Josh Rosen, who at least has played more snaps, or would you rather take someone who's got a really high ceiling, right? In those two, I, I don't know the answer, but man, I, I think it's a fun conversation because at some point, we see it all the time in college, you have to play. You have to play to get better. Max Brown's the best example, who we love. Former intern with us. He yeah. is awesome. He played as a senior at Skyline High School, didn't play again for four years, and got beat out. And he even admitted it. Man, I got rusty. So I, I wonder that of, of how this thing goes. And I'm with
1: you, Yogan. Look, you know the definition of upside is part of your question. What is the definition of upside? And that becomes a subjective measure. Josh Rosen was a high first-round pick.
0: say man. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm
1: saying people forget that now. So Josh Rosen was a high first round pick. Jacob Eason was what second round, I believe. Was he the second or third? Late
0: late second or third. Yeah. I'm not sure. So yeah.
1: and Davis Mills to be determined. But to me, you say combination of what was regarded as upside plus experience. It's Josh Rose, right? Yeah. Because he was he was, and I'm a believer in, for example, Davis Mills, wound up playing part of a year at Stanford, but he wasn't the guy. KJ Costello was the guy KJ gets hurt. He's out. Davis Mills gets thrown in. To me, I would think there is a, there is a point to being the guy where you take one reps as you would know, QB one reps and practice all year. You're the, you're regarded by your teammates as the leader, as the guy. Um, So that's what Davis Mills had for a half a year at Stanford, right? They played six or seven, whatever the number of games was. I, I, Again, this is where I get back. It's unknown to me how that's going to be judged, but I have a hard time envisioning a scenario where Davis Mills gets drafted by a team and thrown. Well, you don't want to throw him in right away. That would be the wrong thing, but put into even where you're the number two. Right. I, I don't, I can't see that happening. Just such a lack, such a lack of body of work, despite the fact that he may be regarded to have a pretty good upside.
0: Yeah. You know, I just keep thinking like if you had, um, you are going to offer Josh Rosen and Davis Mills coming out of high school. They're both number one quarterback in the country in their respective years. Right. And then if you said, if you took, I was talking to a coach the other day in this conference and they said, well, put Davis Mills on Alabama. What do do better than Mac Jones? Like he might be a better pastor than him. I mean, he's really, he's an elite pastor, I think. Um, but, but I, those are all the, the what ifs that I think come to mind. What I hope happens this year is because guys are going to fall based on maybe their projections. I'd like to think if you decide to leave early, like you think you're first or second round draft break, right? A lot of people think that. And we all know that that's ne- not necessarily going to happen. There's only X amount of slots for that. I hope you end up falling to a team that really wants you, right? And that doesn't need you right now. Like when Josh got picked at Arizona, he he was going to go play. He was going to go play. Like he just had to. Right? I, saw him, I saw him first.
1: Yeah. He beat the 49ers twice in his rookie year. And he Yeah, and- there you go. And, and, and yeah, he, he did. He got a chance and he played. And then their system changed. Yep. Their ideas changed. And they, and that's part of this whole scenario as well. Is you, you, as a quarterback, you need to end up in a place where, where it fits. It's not as dramatic a difference as college, for example, but where your skill set's appreciated. So Cliff Kingsbury goes into Arizona. You're not interested in Josh Rosen's skill set. It's not a fit yeah. at all. So Josh goes to Miami, and then they see Tua in front of their eyes and bang you know they fall in love and Josh is out again and he goes to Tampa and you know he's got no shot at Tampa he's just an insurance policy there 49ers pick him up he's an insurance policy but at least an insurance policy in San Francisco where he may get may get more of a look he get more, may get more of a look to be a number 2 I don't think he's going to be a number 1 but he get may get that look to be a number 2 which he wasn't going to be in Miami or Tampa
0: yeah It's so it's so fascinating. So if we bring it back to college, here's my message to players that are thinking about leaving early. Because the ones that have, I think you have till March 1st to opt back in. But if if you're staying in school, because here's the deal, like, and you you were in the NFL for over a decade, like, and you've been in pro sports for a long time in your career, you gotta be to me like an elite player in the professional levels to really take advantage of all the branding, marketing you know, household name elements that go with being an elite player at the professional ranks. Versus now, you come back to college, right? I talked to a couple of players that are super seniors, right? They're getting the free year from the NCAA. They decided to come back and opt back into college. There's such a bigger opportunity to grow who you are, not even like as an individual, as a person, all the personal stuff, but I mean like your projection, your story, your narrative by coming back to college, I just think that for the guys coming back, man, it is a it is an awesome opportunity. That I think for those that left early, I think some of them left. This is my only my opinion. They had Corona fatigue to a degree. Like you know what? I'm just gonna go. I'm kind of done with college. This last year was miserable. Who knows what this next year is gonna be like? I oh, go totally to agree
1: with you on that. You know, i have seen that in basketball as well. There is yeah. there is. It's our life. It's human beings. A lot of people have it. So
0: yeah, but you but I think there. There's a lot of missing out, right? Here's an example. Brent Keithy, top tight end in this conference. I think he's going to be an early tight end taken when he decides to go to the NFL. Could have gone this year. Just, you know what, I'm going I'm I'm to come back for my team and all his personal reasons. But also, he's going to be on the cover of a magazine. He's, gonna be, he's the guy, right? He, he's a dude this year on the West Coast. The NFL scouts are all over Brent Keithy. And you can name a couple guys like that. Elijah Molden came back. Right. What a great story. He did the same thing that I'm talking about a year ago, coming back to Washington. Look at where he is now. He might be the first he, he will be the first guy off the board. There is a world where uh, Elijah Molden might be the next Pac-12 player taken. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? Elijah Vera Tucker. You, you referenced uh, Stanford, Walker Little, Paulson Adibo. We haven't seen much. Right. Like who knows where the, they're going to fluctuate based on their pro day. So I, I just want to say that because I, I think yeah. it's important for guys to come back and take advantage of it if they have and, and recognize that. And guys that are thinking about it in the future, like have you really squeezed it out on your campus if you're not a first-round pick?
1: And, and you pick, brought up a great point there, Yo, because all the things we're talking about, and I, as always, there are exceptions to rules. And in my case, what, my view perhaps, the exception to the rule would be Panay Sewell, Vera Tucker, Walker yeah. Little. Because I saw it, and I, it still exists. There is such a premium on offensive line play in the NFL. Too many, you know, we, we'll get into the air raid at some point this spring. The air raid does not develop offensive linemen. It just doesn't. Not for the NFL. And uh, so point being, what did, what did Tampa do? The minute they got Brady, they made sure they had tackles to protect him. They were smart. Brady can't function at 43 If he can't stay up and do what he wants. Point being the teams, Miami investing in Tua and and whoever invests in Trevor Lawrence, these teams are going to make sure that they have people in front of them, in front of those play of those quarterbacks that they trust. So those are the players that I think if I were to say to anybody, I understand why you're going out, it would be those people. The offensive
0: look at look at last year. Austin Jackson, if you go back and think of the holiday bowl against Iowa did not play his best game opted into the NFL first round draft pick. That's the reason, you know, and he's an awesome kid, tons of, you know, great upside. Um, didn't have a great game. I think he was 19 years old or 20 years old. Right. And everything, everything was documented about him and his off season and what he did regarding a transplant with his sister to make sure that she was healthy. Google that. If if you haven't heard of the story and Elijah Tucker, he played this year. Right. So I think it'll be fun to see how this thing, uh, shakes out in that regard uh, regarding the pro days. Uh, speaking of, though, a lot of players also um, in the last week, they, signing day is over. Signing day is over. Some kids now, you know, their announcement is for the next three years, I'm going to X school. right? So they plan on going to a pro day in a couple of years. Uh, a quick recap on signing day. Um, Oregon, best offensive class in the history of their program. Huh. Number one class in the country. They killed it. They killed it. They finished up. Uh, you know, they weren't even in the game on the top running back in the West Coast in the early signing period, and they signed him. It's a, uh, a guy named Brian Cardwell. I mean, they are they are rolling at that school, USC. Two top 10 classes in Oregon SC, they clean house. They did incredibly well, um, not only in the early signing period, but the, but the last one as well. Corey Foreman, of course, top defensive player in the country.
1: All right, so stop right there. How did USC do this with all of the uncertainty around their program over the last couple of years?
0: Well, I'll tell you what. I think COVID really, in, in a way, helped USC recruiting as well as, of course, the staff staff changes. They bring in Dante Williams. Uh, I think he was uh, 24-7's recruiter of the year, back-to-back years, one at Oregon, one at USC. They changed the whole defensive staff. Uh, they bring in, obviously, Todd Orlando and, and a bunch of other coaches. And in addition, got to give Mike Bone credit. He looked at SC the day he got there and was like, hold on, what do we have in recruiting? This is the, this is the staff? And it, when you comped it, and you and I have the list, when you comp. SC at the time to Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, they're about five, six people less than those other schools. So they hired multiple videographers. They hired multiple graf- graphic designers. They hired a head of social media. They hired uh, or they, they created Boulevard Studios, which is their answer to NIL, where they're going to help players develop their brands, their podcasts, their social media, their content. They leaned into Hollywood. And then the fact that they didn't play. Right. They didn't play Alabama, right? They didn't have any of these knocks. It, it's all of a sudden, the narrative just got going. And it got going. NSC, of course, as we know, kind of recruits itself to a degree. And away it went. And, and they killed it. I'm telling you, I, and I'm with you. What a turnaround. I really think they benefited from NIL and players saying, uh, uh, I want to build my brand at home in LA. Two, being COVID and I want to stay home. And then three, I think, in, even in like the social justice piece, a lot of players, and this is my opinion, that looked elsewhere, saw social media from other players, saw saw other footprints around the country and said, you know what, I'm going to stay in LA. I'm going to come to LA or stay in the Pac-12 that's much more progressive culturally uh, than I think the other footprints when you uh, compare them 1v1. Well,
1: you know, you lived it, Yog. You know that every school, probably west of the Mississippi, Uh, You know that Colorado and Utah, when they joined this conference, as a condition of joining, they had to play in the same division as USC and UCLA because they wanted to recruit Southern California. So it's been imperative that USC keep, as they traditionally did, right, keep the best, what Jim Mora first did when he got the UCLA job, right? Jim Mora started getting some LA kids to stay and play for UCLA. So it's kind of... uh, it's, it's good to hear, and it's, it, I, I'll, I'm probably going to get grief for saying this, but was, it's about time for USC you're, to have that.
0: You're and and it, to me, the, the other thing that I think is important to note on signing day is a lot of the top prospects came back. right? So instead of calling it signing day, we're going to start calling it portal day around here because yeah. so many players came back in the portal. Like UCLA, let's just, just to lay it out. When we talked signing day the first time, we talked right after signing day. Signing day in the, in the early signing period in December, it's a 72-hour window. In the first 24 hours, UCLA did okay. I think when they came in, they were 69th in the country. After that 72-hour window, they were the 28th-ranked class in the country. Hmm. They flipped guys from Michigan. They flipped guys from Nebraska. They flipped the kid from Oregon. They did a nice job in terms of finishing. Names that didn't get a lot of pub on early signing day. And then in the most recent portal day, as we're calling it in February, they bring in Zach Charbonnet, a running back who transfers from Michigan, Southern California guy, but they did a chip's done a nice job of getting creative with that. And then you add in the players that are returning DTR, uh, Britton Brown, Quantrez Knight. I mean, they did a, they did a nice job and schools in this, in this conference did a nice job regarding the portal and just kind of a couple little holes that got filled in early February.
1: Yeah, that's well, that's good to hear. I said, that's vital. All right. So portal day, the news of the week is Tyler Shuck. Yes. Whoa. I, mean, I was blindsided.
0: Were you? I was surprised. Yeah. Especially the timing of it. Right. If if he was going to do it, I thought he would have done it prior to anybody starting school and we're in February, right. They're about to start spring practice. And I'm thinking, all right, you know, like they're going to have a competition at the position, uh, but it's his job to lose. And I just think that he made the call based on he didn't think he was uh, either going to have a chance to get the job, or he wanted a fresh start, and he made the decision to change. and I've had a chance to talk to him. Uh, he's excited about about moving forward. I and mean, This is a guy he's got two degrees, by the way, which is insane. In three years, what he did at Oregon. I was just
1: going to say, here's here's the equation, folks. That I've I I think I've only seen this once before that I can think of where he's transferring as a grad transfer with three years of eligibility. yeah,
0: It's crazy. I don't, I don't think he's going to exhaust that. We've seen crazier things. Yeah. Obviously, Kevin Thompson at Washington, I think he was a seventh-year senior this year, had a chance to come <laughs> back for another one. Uh, he'll be working out at their pro day. But I, I, I'd like to see – I mean, he's got a ton of interest, right? Mm-hmm. Teams in the pack are going after him as well. I'd like to see him stay in this conference. Uh, I think he's got a lot of talent. You know how I feel about him. I've raved about him a lot. But this is the world that we're in. But this is the world that we're in. The reality is a school can pick up a player via the portal or the waiver wire, if you will, all the way up until school in August or September. And they could play. They could play. I mean, you could show up August 20th, for, for, for instance, and go play. So I don't think we've seen the end of it. Um, Oregon, they lost also Cale Millen. He enters the transfer portal. So they went from the deepest quarterback room in a conference a month ago to now, um, obviously, Anthony Brown is a projected start of the transfer from BC who played the majority of the snaps in their bowl game. Uh, they have uh, Jay Butterfield, who came in last year. They have another freshman who they got from the South, talented athlete, um, who was a Elite 11 quarterback. And, uh, and they signed the top quarterback on the West Coast, Ty Thompson, this year in the country. Mm. So it, it'll be it's Robbie, um, Robbie Alford is the quarterback I was talking about in the South. He w- once was committed to Richrod at Ole Miss.
1: Okay, So they so- still have room. All right, so let's let's talk about Shuck for a second. Arizona Kid, where's Arizona, Jed Fish? Where are they in their quarterback standing via the portal?
0: Well, I think they're gonna take a run at him. And by the time this podcast gets published, we might even have an answer on that. But they worked it with Gunnar Cruz, transferred from Washington State. Mm-hmm. They also got a transfer from uh I'm blanking on the quarterback or the school uh like a quarterback in of florida really talented player who was the aac player of the week a couple times in his career oh. um and then i transferred from out of there that they really like him uh, but he won't be there till training camp so they have those two guys and maybe they'll add like tyler and and to me i think there's it's an interesting dynamic if you go there because everybody is is even Nobody's been there for a spring or even nobody knows the system. The system hasn't even been installed.
1: New staff, blank slate.
0: Yeah, so if he – to me, it's about, like, where can Tyler Strzok get in for spring ball? If he can get into school in spring, it's a big advantage for him and whatever program he's at. And if he ends up going to Arizona, um, it's on, you know. And and here's a guy who kind of Prodigal Son returns. (laughs) Arizona kid, as you referenced. Yeah. So
1: I was uh, talking – recently with somebody who coached a long time in basketball and just made the comment to me, you know, nobody recruits in basketball anymore. You don't have to, you just play the portal and it's football heading that way.
0: Yeah. I hate to say it, but I think it is Jordan McLeod was the quarterback's name who I was thinking about um, who transferred from USF. I think so. I think that's just the game. And I think the coaches like Arizona state, right. They save five scholarships, to give to guys in the portal. Like you got a roster management. You know, I talked to Herm about it on signing down the Pac-12 networks. That's, that's what it is, you know. And I think it's going to drive some coaches crazy. Um, and I think some coaches are going to thrive. But to me, it's just at the end of the day, roster management is, yes, filling names and bodies into slots, but I think it's also working the roster you have. Because I know if I was, if it was me, let's just take Mike Leach, our old good buddy at Mississippi state. He goes there. The first thing he does is bring KJ. What does that do to the quarterback room? Right. I've talked to other first time head coaches and said, you know what? I can't bring a guy just yet and make it be my guy. I think Jets is different because Grant Gunnell left. He went to Memphis. Wow. Uh, yeah. they had nobody, you know, they will plumber. No, they have somebody, but they don't have anybody that's entrenched as the starter.
1: Unfortunately, uh, yeah. That example is a rough one because we know Leach is MO and he'll throw kids under the bus in a heartbeat. That's my yep. view. Uh, no one else has to subscribe to that, but that's my view. And certainly his past history indicates he has no interest in the players that he inherits. So, yeah. um, so, so that's, uh, that's an unfortunate, I think that's an unfortunate characteristic of him, but I, but the point you're raising is an absolutely correct one. I think I've seen it as well. Um, it's a, uh, it's a very delicate thing. When a coach comes in, generally when a coach gets a job, it's because the previous coach failed, right? Or the previous regime failed. So the new coach comes in and thinks, okay, everything that was done here was wrong. Everything was bad. And I'm going to change everything. Well, the problem is you have kids that are staying, right? Yeah, We've been a part of that. Some kids succeeded. Not everybody in, in a program fails. Some kids succeed. Even if you have a bad season is what I'm saying. Um, and so... Uh, it just, that, that frustrates me. But um, I I was really taken back to this quote because I'm seeing it in, in basketball. And again, basketball has a different structure because of the one and done uh, element. Or in fact, it's basically just a free door. Players can leave and go pro at any time. Uh, whereas football, there still is a three-year, <laughs> there's a three-year wall, so to speak. But the portal in basketball is everything now. If you're recruiting a high school kid, you're basically recruiting him. Think at, at this level, you're recruiting him thinking it's one year, maybe two, maybe two football isn't that bad yet, but my goodness, we're seeing it. I think, isn't Jonathan Smith working the portal pretty, pretty heavily oh, in Oregon yeah. state. Isn't he another guy that's using that as basically a tool to build the program?
0: Yeah. And he was the first one on it. You know, if yeah. you think about it, Tristan Jebbia, remember that crew that he got out of Nebraska, Tyjohn Lindsay, he hit the portal kind of before it was a thing. You know, guys had to sit out a year, of course. Now that's not really anticipated. But they brought in a running back from South Carolina, receiver from Georgia, an offensive lineman from Utah State, a corner from Kansas. Uh, they did a nice job. Utah, they did a, did a really impressive job. Uh, a quarterback, they bring in two. Charlie Brewer from Texas, uh, excuse me, from Baylor, who is the all-time, I think, second all-time leading passer in the history of Baylor. Took him to the Sugar Bowl. This dude's played a lot of football. Uh, Quinton Jackson out of Texas is a dual threat. And then, uh, unfortunately they had to bring in running backs. Uh, yes. so they bring in two and TJ Pledger from Oklahoma and Chris Curry of LSU. Right. So uh, every, everybody's done it, you know, for, for the most part, he, Stanford, even last year brought in a dual threat quarterback, right. And, uh, right. For, but it's an,
1: that, that's a great point you make though, because that gets into the college, Dynamic. Not everybody's on equal footing in this front. And because you have a private school like Stanford, uh, I've been involved with another one in my life where transfers are not eagerly welcomed because they're considered students. And it's it's just not part of the student, the undergraduate experience. It's not totally forbidden, but it's not welcomed. So now, does the school adjust its policy for football? and or basketball. I, I've seen it. And so that's, you know, in, in the case, in our conference here at Stanford and USC, those are two private schools, the other 10 schools are state schools um, where the transfer thing is, I think, much freer. And so that's going to be a fascinating thing for me to watch, particularly in my backyard with Stanford to see how does Stanford adjust to this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we talked about it on last show, right? Katie Nixon, Colorado, is at USC. Yep. Work the portal. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so, all right. A lot of portal. Thankfully, you're not entering the portal and uh, we're staying together, bro. That, that's happening. Hopefully we find out by the next time uh, we do a pod, maybe we'll know if we're going anywhere for spring or for a pro day. Uh, but make sure you all are not only checking this out where you're listening to podcasts. We did it last time and I got a lot of good feedback, Ted. Uh, it's on Facebook Live. So right. this podcast is also there. Ted puts it on his YouTube channel. So we're everywhere that you want us and uh, we'll get going here. Pro days in the next couple of weeks, spring practice beginning.
1: Yeah, and that's you know, just to tack on because the last time we talked, I know I had mentioned at least the Pac-12 has come out now and announced schedules for spring sports. You know, Baseball's going forward. I was at Berkeley uh, the other night and saw the baseball team out practicing, You know, doing it in shifts. There's very strict protocols in Berkeley, but at least the baseball team was working out. So my point is once the spring sports schedules have been announced, now it makes me feel much better about spring football.
0: Amen to that. All right. I'm out. It's about 30 minutes. We're trying to keep them right around there. Let us know what you're thinking. Uh, anything that you want, hit Ted and I both up on social. anything we could answer, all things Pac-12 football. So for Ted Robinson, I'm Yogi Roth. It's Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 adventure. Peace.